Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Good vibrations. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 30, recorded July 21st, 2019. We will be covering the Books of Sorrow, verse 2. I am your host for the evening, Elamist. This is Ivan. And this is Mrs. Ivan. In the way of podcast news, we've got our usual. We like feedback. Whether it's good, bad, or meh. <laughs> that can be sent to our Twitter. That's at guardians underscore lore. It can be sent to our email, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Or you can leave us a review wherever you can find our podcast. So, stuff you may have missed in Destiny. Nothing new happened this week. We actually had a quiet week. But next week, we have Iron Banana. Yes. Right? This might be our only calm week. Right? Because I'm assuming Solstice of Heroes might be the week after that. It is. calm before the storm, you guys. Oh, yeah. it's, It's totally the calm before the storm. I just had a break, like, you know, as we all took off our break, you know, but so I've been waiting to put in my time off in September for when the new expansion comes out, but I'm totally taking off that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know about doing that. But, you know, when the time comes, I'll figure it out. I try to do it for any big expansion. I did it for Forsaken. I'll probably do it for this time. And that makes sense. Uh, like Hyven mentioned, the week after Iron Banner is Solstice of Heroes. And that's a summer event where we earn awesome-looking armor. <laughs> uh, but that's where we, we get like an uncommon armor set, upgrade it to rare, and then upgrade it to legendary. And then we continue working to actually masterwork each piece. Um, last year's armor just looked so beautiful. Yep, and but you then... want to tell what the last upgrade is, Elmist? <laughs> it's your last comment there. <laughs> the only problem with it, like last year, the only problem with the armor set was that it was immediately outdated as soon as Forsaken came out. Because it didn't have random rolls. Yeah, and you couldn't put mods in. Yeah, you couldn't put the new mods in. It had a whole new masterwork system. So, like, it was just immediately obsolete. And it made me so sad. That's my favorite thing. You upgrade it green, blue, legendary, and then to your vault. Right? I'm, I'm a little jaded. But, like... This would be the perfect chance for them to introduce the new armor system so that we can keep this armor moving forward. Especially, it's kind of like a, it would be a good one of those for them to make a skin. It's definitely, it would be like a badge of honor. Like, I was there for the Solstice of Heroes. Exactly. I would leave it on. I loved that armor. Probably one of my favorite sets. Oh, it's so amazing. So beautiful. Do we know if we're getting the same look or is it a new one? 
I don't know. It looks very similar in what they've shown us, but I know. If it is similar, then essentially last year was year one version. This year is year two. And then moving forward, they're just going to be recapping it. Which I I can kind of get behind, except for the fact that it becomes obsolete at the end of the month. Anyway, enough of my jaded comments. Um, Mrs. Ivan, do you have a question this week? Unfortunately, with the new job, I still don't. Um, I've been listening to podcasts to and from work, but that in itself has also been difficult with the car troubles because the vehicle and I'm in, it can't hook up to my car. And so I can barely hear it sometimes because also with this heat wave, you know, got to have the AC on and the AC in the vehicle I'm currently driving only works on full blast. So (laughs) it's been a bit of a mess and I haven't had enough podcast time to um develop a question so tune in next week just for that you guys think of something Uh, my on the spot question if i were going to come up with one because i had thought about it was what are you guys most excited about for this new season um because like other than you know like i know hyven's really excited about cross save and stuff but like story-wise like what are you guys kind of like excited about maybe seeing come out in the lore with this new season Ivan, you want to start this one off? Sure. The possible new shadow race that are in all the videos that are floating around, all creepy. I I completely agree with that. Um, yep. Like that, that's going to be exciting to see what's going on there. Because I have a feeling um, maybe they're what causing the hallucinations, hallucinations, because all the it it looks like the enemies we're going to be facing are all our old enemies that we've beaten. So like I feel like there's not going to be a lot of new information about them. They're just like nightmares of. But I want to know who's causing the nightmares and what the heck Eris awoke on the moon. Right. I'm kind of excited about Eris coming back. Like, we know she's she's been working with the Queen, but we haven't seen her in lore since Age of Triumph. Or at least not that I can remember. And me and Elemist at least theorized that she was quite possibly the third individual that transcended their design that the Nine were talking about. So... I'm kind of wondering if maybe we've had stuff about the Queen, stuff about the Drifter. It's only fitting that Mer- maybe Eris really is that third individual and we'll have a little bit of ties to like her in a larger story. So that would be kind of cool. I'm kind of with you. I think maybe if they tie her into something, I'd really appreciate like getting more than just creepy three-eyed woman who survived Crota. <laughs> right. All right. What about Mrs. Hyven? What are you excited about? Not seen me I... for a week? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That'll, that'll be good or bad. I don't know. Gotta make sure you have to keep the house stocked with plenty of quick and easy snacks so you actually eat. Um, Pop-tart and Gatorade. <laughs> right? Um... No, I am excited about learning more about Aerith as we go into this new season, just because I don't know a lot of D1 stuff. Um, 
So I'm excited because I know it's going to bring up a lot of old stuff that we'll probably talk about, not necessarily on the podcast. Um, it, it might bring up some in the podcast, but like I know just like personally, Ivan's going to be getting, I'll be getting all of those, all of those calls or all of those random, oh my God, moments where he busts up out of the office and is like, this just happened and it connects to this and then this and I don't know. Part of me feels like this might be good lore season, but kind of tame. Like, you can only drop bombs like they did this past season so often, right? Like, all at once, we found out, like, who the heck Drifter was, that the Emissary used to be a guardian, um, who the heck the Nine were. Right before that, we figured out that Shin was a Dredgen. Like, you can't drop those on me too much, or I might have a heart attack. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Come to find out, Eris is one of the nine. <laughs> and Dredgen Yor, reborn, confirmed. Just kidding. Be... The nine right. gave him a new body. <laughs> oh, jeez. I just want Shariato to come back, you guys. That's all I want. So, funny thing about that, actually. I, I have something to, to pull up later, because um, I actually heard a line in game while doing Shattered Throne for my brother. And the statue of Shur actually talks about how she's trying to make her way back. What? See, I'm telling you, her and Mar are going to get there happily ever after. It's going to be beautiful. There's going to be a wedding scene. It's going to be like Ellen and Portia. One of them's going to be in, you know, like dress suit <laughs> kind of thing. And one of them's going to be in a gorgeous wedding dress. And then Mara's going to die. And then, yeah, that's going to suck. What the heck yeah. is your problem? Ellen and Portia aren't dead. I said it's going to be like Ellen and Portia. Then they're going to have a talk show, and it's all going to be fabulous. And, you know, just no. Shut up. I'm just saying the nine said that Mara's in trouble. <laughs> Mara's always in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And moving on, so for the brief intro to the topic, the Books of Sorrow are essentially the Hive Bible as written by Oryx, so there may be bias. Um, for the first verse of the Books of Sorrow, see our episode 29. So, for the lore book readings, Hyven, I believe you're up first. All right, are we ready to go in? We are on what? Sorry, I'm pulling it up in the handy-dandy lore book. Verse 2, zero, immortals. And I will go ahead and read this. We are the worm, your God, the flesh of hope. Our compact is done. You are Arash, eternal. We are bound to you, as close as your appetite, as your loves or needs, as the weapon in your fists and the word in your throat. We've had enough of this dismal place, haven't you? 
We are integrating your ship with larvae. Go back to your species. Spread the good news in the Osmian Court, and in the Hydrogen Fountain, in the Bone Plaza, in the Star Surgery. You will rise up into the world. If anyone rejects symbiosis with our children, make an example of them. A mighty wave is coming for them all. They'll die anyway. Save only what can be saved. The worm grants you power over your own flesh, Arash. When you've taken the king morph, what will your adult name be? Arix. It means long thought. We approve. Alrighty, so we're setting up some stuff here. Arash is designating herself as male now to become king and has changed names. Indeed, and the name of the card kind of says it. And these next couple cards will be for each sister. Immortals, and they refer to her as... The Eternal. Yes, which also helps us to see, obviously, what choice they made. Because we ended last week with them having to make a decision. So clearly they have chose the... Uh, uh, what the Leviathan gave them down in the deep. Nope, not the no. Leviathan. The Leviathan warned them to not go to the deep. But the Worm Gods gave them. Yes, sorry. That one. Um, and they gave him a lot more larvae, too. They basically told them to go back to all the species okay. and stick some larvae in them. And if they say no, just kill them, because everyone who doesn't take the larvae is going to die from the god wave anyway. Yep. Kind of grim, but effective. It's, yeah, it's very, very odd, good. and I'm sure we're only going to see... Like a calculated kind of thing, more not emotional. More bad consequences come about from this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no. This is a book of happiness. Mm -hmm. The books of sorrow? I mean, what did you think they were about? <laughs> I thought there would be puppy dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Those, the symbiotic relationship was them when dogs. Obviously, the krill and puppies... Obviously. Right? <laughs> all right. So with that set up, are we all good to move on to verse 2-1, Conquerors? Yeah. Indeed. All right. Savathun, Mother Morph of Sathona, we delight in your sharp mind. For millions of years, the Leviathan caged us here. It is a pawn of the sky, a philosophy of cosmic slavery. The sky seeds civilizations predicted on a terrible lie. The right actions can prevent suffering. That pockets of artificial rules can defy the final beautiful logic. This is like trying to burn water.
antithetical to the nature of reality, where deprivation and competition are universal. In the deep, we enslave nothing. Liberation is our passion. We exist to help the universe achieve its terminal, self-forging glory. The war rages on. Soon it will consume fundament. We are pleased with your use of our larva to create mighty knights and plentiful warriors. Teok's retreat to the hydrogen fountain proves your superior strength. But you must know that reclaiming your home is not enough. There are 511 species living on Fundament. One of them must have the technology you need to leave this world. Ooh, right there. So they're, they're taking the worm and just infesting all kinds of different species, and they're like, well, one of them has to have a ship. Basically. I like that. Just just take everyone and hope it works out. Yeah. You know, it's like we were just watching the season of 100 where everyone's being like given Back these chips. That's what it keeps making me think of. Like, just make everyone a part of this party. Yeah. I've never seen it. They basically turn everyone to a hive mind in the season of this show. <gasps> like, capture everyone into a... Oh, I remember that. I'm like... It's City of Light. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of what this is like. Basically, consume everyone and we'll all be t- tied together. Yeah. And so I see that they once again refer to the Leviathan as a pawn of the sky. And the sky builds civilizations predicated on a lie. And they claim the lie is that the right actions can prevent suffering. But I would assume that the deep is saying that it doesn't matter what you do. What's going to happen is going to happen. But yeah, I also did blind well and I saw that the touch of sky and touch of the deep... So we have those as kind of these two opposites. We have like the Leviathan for the, the sky. We have the worms for the deep. We're later going to see that. But like it's almost like the darkness or like light and dark. The highest part of the pyramid is kind of referred to as the sky and the deep. So I think that's interesting. I think we might see these referred to a lot more. We definitely will in this book, but I think as uh, we get more game lore. Well, absolutely. I I could see there being a lot more with Shadowkeep since it's coming up. Yeah, just thinking when we talk about when we learn later, um, you know, Aurochs and like the deep and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of interesting. And uh, if you don't know, antithetical is directly opposed or contrasted, mutually incompatible. So that's the thought of burning water. Okay. So essentially, it's saying, you know, it's the complete opposite of the nature of reality. Yeah, basically, they they say that deprivation and competition are universal. So they're basically saying you can't, like, your actions can't prevent those. It's like burning water. It just is incompatible. Definitely a pretty dark outlook. I'm surprised the Krill didn't... Uh second guess but you know at the same time they are saying that the sky is basically lying to everyone so and they're offering them a way to be saved from the god wave so it's kind of like a they're they don't know who to trust but they're 
going with the offer that provides him a way out. So can't blame him. I think you can't know what kind of choice you'd make in that situation. So Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on? I'll be covering verse 2-2, Out of the Deep. Shivu Rath, Nightmorph of Shero. You love to conquer, don't you? We love to see you work. Nearly 2% of Fundament's surface is now our dominion. Your species embraces the worm. The syzygy has passed. The god wave will reach you in less than two years. Our organs informs us that Teox and her surviving refusalists flee towards Kaharn Atoll. She hopes to rally the species of Fundament against you. The Leviathan's agents work tirelessly to destroy ships and engines, trapping us on Fundament. If we cannot make ships, we will become them. Overwhelm the Kaharn Bastion. Slaughter everyone there. From your acts, we shall obtain the logic we require to cut space open and migrate to orbit. Reality is a fine flesh, O oh General Ours. Let us feast of it. So, of course, the killing and the fighting goes along with Thyro, or now Zivu's. I remember she wanted to be a conqueror. Um, and so the Syzygy's already passed, and that refers to the fact that the 52 moons have already lined up. They have caused the God Wave, but because Fundament is such a large water planet, they still have basically two years before the little chunk that they're floating on is all destroyed. And they're fighting a battle on three fronts. Um, Teox, of course, is just trying to survive um, and fight against them with the species of Fundament. And it refers to the Leviathan's agents basically trying to destroy the ships and the engines that... Um, the worms and the krill are trying to find. And I like think that's really interesting. The Leviathan's agents work tirelessly. So I don't know if it's quite a spoiler yet, but you know, the Leviathan's referred to as a servant of the, the sky, which thinks of the light. Guardians kind of sound like agents of the sky at this point. So it's kind of like a, um, quite possibly it seems as if there's some, ulterior two two forces we see light and dark we have the sky and the deep here which definitely relates to how things work on earth in our time and we're going to see that as we uh continue on i want to i know i'm kind of being cagey here but it, it, it we're going to see a little bit more about how their planet's much more like ours than we kind of might even think yeah and like yeah you're being a little cagey but like trying not to give stuff away yeah it's really hard to talk about these when you've read everything when we're trying to go like story by story but i think sometimes you lose detail if we just try to go over everything before reading at the same time so yeah trying to balance it i mean the only thing i noticed here is this is the first 
occurrence where we start to see the worms or the deeps having a very special power. Um, if we cannot make ships, we will become them. Slaughter everyone from your axe. We will obtain the logic we require. Um, so this is where we first see that the deep and the krill and the worms having the ability to gain knowledge and power through killing. So by killing they, uh, these people, they actually gain their knowledge. Very interesting. And um, then, of course, we have the good old O General R's, which definitely, once again, sounds Ahamkara-y. So, right. Even that streak up. Right. Like, that just sends my mind into spin-foil theories. And they definitely weren't nice to us with this book, man. <laughs> but that's all I have for that. Uh, if we're ready to move on. These are pretty short cards so far. So. Yeah, right. and, and a lot of them have been straightforward. Yeah, they really are. So then we'll move into verse 2-3. Into the sky. You've done well, Orox. Can you feel the growth of your worm? Can you feel your beginning to warp mere law? At times, we detect sadness in you. Understand, long thinker, that you enact a sacred and majestic task. Existence is the struggle to exist. Only by playing that game to its final, unconditional victory can we complete the universe. Your war is divine work. We are free from Fundament's core, and Sabathun's cutters are ready to fly. With Zevo Arath victorious, we have opened a wound at Kaharn, a wound leading to geostationary orbit. Behold, we are faithful to our covenant. We have no future on Fundament, but her moons will make fine habitats. Let us rise. So, once again, we get that creepy feel <clears throat> right there in the beginning. Can you feel the growth of your worm? <laughs> oh, there's going to be... That's going to be creepy. Yeah. Like, do you feel like, a parasite growing inside of you? Right? <laughs> well, and like, it's the hive. It's going to be creepy. Yeah, right. But yeah, most people will recognize these names now. We have Sabathun and Zivor Wrath at this point now. Um, so we kind of, if you know anything about lore, or if you played the game recently at all, you know kind of what kind of stuff these individuals eventually do and become. So you can imagine what's starting now. So uh, Sabathun's already amassed, starting to amass her type of army. And Zivu apparently just formed an army and just massacred everyone. They took Kaharn. And then this is where they basically somehow opened a wound that led to orbit. So once again, some type of paracausal power that we are seeing the Hive now have um, that allows them to basically overstep basic cause and effect. They didn't need ships at this point. Just the act of taking what they wanted gave them the knowledge and power to open this rift. Um, and then they claim that the moons will make fine habitats. 
and then also one other thing I detected is we are free from Fundament's core. So for the first time in who knows how long, the worm guys are not stuck at the core of this planet. Dun, dun, dun. Or it's referring to just the them in general, but I'm not sure if you know the worms are. I think everyone is now has has become free. Well, I don't know where the worms go, but well, we know where a few worms go. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we see that they finally. This, basically, this is what the worms wanted. They wanted to be freed, and they got what they wanted. Uh, so yeah, this is where we kind of see what's going to continue on. <clears throat> they All move right. out of the deep and into the sky. Yep. Let's move on then to 52 and 1. All right. I'll get to reading. Good news. The 52 moons of Fendiment host a star-faring civilization far more sophisticated than anything you've encountered so far. Teos's ship fled towards the large ice moon, where a species of bony six-armed cephalopods keep their icy capital. Savathuns named them the Ammonite. They seem eager to grant Teox asylum. Idiots. We tried appealing to their hopes and dreams. This was largely unsuccessful, basically because they're already happy and indoctrinated. This angered us, so we devised a plan. Our organs detect a 53rd moon in the orbit of Fundament, a traveler, divine presence of the sky. Now we know what arranged the syzygy. You'll have to kill them all and take their stuff. Once the Ammonite are out of the way, we can deal with the traveler. Do not hesitate. You're fighting the hypocritical puppets of a cosmic parasite. Avenge your ancestors. Okay, before anyone else comments, I just wanna I just wanna touch real quick on how literally every single sentence there is um, punctuated with a period. There is no emotion in what is being said. There is no Yeah. Like even when they say good news or they've angered us, like there's nothing. It's all just periods. It's all just statements of facts. Well, I mean, look at good news. Yeah. The worm guys, you've heard them kind of talk. They're just deep, booming, and very like straightforward. And just also the fact that it refers to our organs detect. To me, that's kind of like basically all of the worms are connected as one. And they're referring to our organs as just the little individuals out there who are like. They're seen through yeah. them kind of thing. So, like, these beings kind are just, like... like hive de- mind. Yeah, exactly. These beings are just kind of, like, declaring the information that they're received. They're not, like, emotional or anything. It's, it is definitely a weird symbiotic relationship. I love the idiots. I totally tried to channel my inner Dwight for that one. And take their stuff. Those are my favorite parts of this. Idiots, take their stuff. Kill them all and take their stuff. I just rewatched the episode of The Office where Jim has his new uh, ringtone. Just says, idiot, idiot, idiot. Like, oh, it's my new Dwight ringtone. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but yeah. So this was a fun card, you guys. The one, thing I, the one thing I want to note, like, the Traveler 
yeah. is viewed as the bad guy here because it caused the syzygy. It caused yeah, like the god wave. That's the bombshell. We found that the, the traveler is here. And bum, it's bum, what bum. lined up the moons. And that Do we know so, timeline-wise when this is, like in comparison to when the traveler's with us? Well before. Well before. long before. Remember, the hive were completely established, and we're actually going to go through some of the stuff that happened to them. But by the time they came to us, they were still chasing. So you kind of assume that they really didn't take out the traveler. The traveler. You what? It's kind of a bitch. Yeah. So like, but once again, we see that the it is referred to once again as divine presence of the sky. So it at this point is the highest level of being related to the sky. Um, but I would still argue, and so far, the worm gods are the, I guess, the highest level for the deep. Does that make sense? So it's like, at the moment, the sky is represented represented at the top of the food chain by the traveler, and the worm gods the deep. So they're like, they're the exact opposites, they're exact enemies, they're like fire and water, just like they said. And so it appears that, quite possibly, you know, the traveler was trying to keep the worm gods down in the center of this planet. They were trying to get up. So who's right? Honestly, we can't really say based off of everything we've been taught and the fact that now we represent the Traveler and the Sky. We've always thought that the Deep was the wrong ones. But at this point, they're just two halves of, you know, of one coin. They're both just fighting for survival. And I think you can make an argument for both. And it seems like Teox is, and the Leviathan... <clears throat> are sided together and the they've run to the moons and we see that the ammonites these cephalopods were basically the first people of the uh the traveler so to me once again we see that like the ammonites and the krill now hive are like down the food chain the opposites of the sky and the uh and the deep so we see the two armies clashing for the first time and this is kind of like well before we as humans took place I mean, took took the place of, you know, the skies. Uh, what are they referred to as? Like agents of the sky. Yeah. Uh, so I find it kind of interesting that this is basically very familiar to what we've been through in our own personal experience. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's it's an alien version of Guardians versus prehistoric hive. Yeah. I don't know. To me, if if that doesn't get you like thinking and kind of excited about like the origins of things, like I don't know. For me, that's pretty pretty crazy. My brain was like, if that doesn't get you hot about the lore, I don't know what will. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I think that's actually what we're gonna change that intro to. <laughs> you we're might have read the lore, but are hot you hot for it? About it? Oh god. <laughs> Oh man. Transition, brother. Big transition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. I'll be covering verse two five. Born as prey. This is unacceptable. Are you so weak? Born as prey and doomed to die by predator? Oryx's failure. Of resolve led us to catastrophe. The Ammonite fleets under Chroma Admiral Refrit 
have pressed us back to the sixth moon. Once more, we find ourselves burrowing into a world's core to survive. Savathun, you must draw Oryx out of his catatonia. Make him understand that the ideals of peace and stability he clings to are cancers. Brutal, unjust obstacles between us and a fair cosmos. These are the bait stars the sky uses to blind its slaves. War is the natural rectification of inequality. The universe's way of pursuing equilibrium. Shivu Arath, you cannot defeat the Ammonites and Teoks in line combat. We propose new tactics. Breed your armies back to strength and find a way to disperse the broods across these many moons. If we cannot defeat their strengths, we will infect their weaknesses. All right, so the Ammonites are pretty badass, man. Uh, we see that it looks like the Deep scored the first point by getting off. The Ammonites scored the next point. They sent them right back to burrowing inside of a planet or a moon again. Um, and part of the reason this happened is because uh, Oryx refuses to fight. He's uh, or she still believes in peace and um, stability. So okay, but shouldn't Teox like or his army be dead by now? Uh, exactly. You were wondering why Teox <laughs> is still alive, right? When she's only supposed to live to eight or ten? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're all wondering that. We're still wondering where Teox is, so... Uh, Excuse me? <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. But yeah, some... It sounds like... questions. Sounds like Teox might have gotten her own power, um, and she seems to be siding with the sky and the traveler. <clears throat> First guardian yeah, confirmed? I don't know, but... <laughs> Uh, but I think this is where you can kind of side that the sky, as the Leviathan warned, why life is difficult is the the more peaceful. You know, they, they want peace. Um, or at least Oryx wants peace. Um, at this point, the sky and the Traveler have still just tried to kill everyone. Uh, but... Oryx is kind of like, no, I'm tired of all this fighting and all this killing. Let's stop. And this is where the worm god's like, Sabathun, you need to talk to him. And Zivu, you're losing everyone. Take a break. Read your armies back up. And we're going to look for a weakness. So, kind of interesting. <laughs> They're not fully uh, indoctrinated yet, it doesn't sound like. <clears throat> yeah. What do you think there, Mrs. Hyvin? I know you've listened to some stuff about all this, so is any of this new for you, or are you already... No, it's still pretty new. Um, How do you feel about this whole thing? We got two sides, and we have two entities that we're kind of familiar with, but we're getting a little bit different view of them. Well, I personally don't like the Traveler. Um, I don't really have a lot of feelings towards the Ammonites at the moment. Um... So right now I'm just kind of sitting back waiting to get some more information before I make, you know, a decision on like the side that I side with. 
So you're um, still Chaos, not, you're not however, sold is then. A little bit, and I want to know more about that. So then you're not sold in the fact that you're still kind of just like the three sisters. The Leviathan gave you the warning, but you're not sure what side is actually like to be trusted. Or do you yeah. just agree that both sides are pretty screwed up <laughs> and there's no yeah. right side? Yeah, I mean, and I think I think that too, though, just because honestly, typically that's how it is in life. You just end up choosing the lesser of two evils, not necessarily the better side. You know, the majority of the time, whether it's, I don't know, a lot of things in life. Well, that's perfect. I mean, I was thinking we'd more get into this later on, but even now it's kind of fitting, is these two sides are the light and the dark. They're black and white. And what have we been doing black. as Guardians right now? We, as Shin called us, have been riding this line of gray. We were one of the first Guardians who, it appears, is using the power from the sky and the power of the deep. We get the that touch of the sky bad. and the touch of the deep. In a, certain occasions in game, we see both of those. So those forces are playing on us at the same time. And it sounds like we are one of the first people to balance them and use them both. We've now used a weapon of sorrow and a weapon of light. So I would argue that neither side is truly right. Um, so blind faith in the traveler might get you screwed. It seems to have got screwed a, screwed a lot of the other races that uh, came before us. As we're going to find, yeah, yeah. the Traveler just keeps moving on to civilizations. You know, we already know about the Fallen. We got the Ammonite. Let's see how it works for them. Yeah, but I mean, the and I'm totally time, not the worm the Traveler are... in general myself. Also pretty um, bad. But, you know, I like I said, just just going off of basic, like, life in real life, nothing nothing is black and white. That's just not a real thing. It's not a real yeah. concept in life that we that we have. So I, I just even in story version, I can't believe that there is one side that is truly good and truly bad. Well that's why I love the bungee right. I mean heck, look at Star Wars. Even towards the end, you know, Anakin the beginning Anakin was good, then he became Darth Vader, and even in the end, like he turned and made the right decision, like just before death. So, like, I think that's also the other thing. Like, when you're looking at people and beings, like, are we are not made to be just one thing. We are these complex beings made up of multiple decisions and choices that all put us on these different paths. So, like, would, that's just it's not how things work. Yeah, I would argue though that Star Wars is the classic example, though of like good and evil like clearly the dark side is always like the bad guys that's always how it's been framed and that's honestly the very end yeah but he turned sides he never quite it's not quite the same you know what i'm saying at the very very end before he died he made the right choice and like that trope is played up so commonly that when we play games and watch movies everything's about the right side and the wrong side which is why i love the story of destiny um because we kind of learned that there's not like two sides. Well, there's, sorry, there's two sides, but there's not just one right side that you kind of have to make the decision yourself. Um, I think like the, you know, the MCU is doing pretty good with that when, when they just had like the thought of Thanos. He is the bad guy, but when you actually see his reasoning, he thinks he's the good guy. So I love when um, stories kind of play up that um, nobody's 100% pure and correct. Yeah. Hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong. 
I would argue that he went about doing it wrong, and that's why they still kind of paint him in a the bad guy. But like, he had good intentions, and I think that the same thing is here. It's even less black and white. Both of these races are just trying to survive, so you can't really fault anything when you're just fighting for survival, kind of. Yeah. It's like that whole thought of the ends justify the means, you know, but what are you doing along the way and is it actually acceptable? Absolutely. You know, people will say like, oh, at times of war, things are different. The rules are different. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, life is definitely a lot more fluid than black and white. And so that's why I don't think I can pick a side here because I just I don't think that's real. I appreciate that you have an open mind. I mean, heck, we all learned when we did the Book of the Unmaking that we're all a little uh, following our whispers. <laughs> I yeah. remember how many things we were like, wow, <laughs> life, life explained. Like, like we're indoctrinated this, already. Like reading this, not as a cult reading, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well. If you guys are ready, I'll move on to my favorite. Sounds good to me. Get it, babe. Verse 2, 6. The sword logic. At last, we knew curiosity would draw you back, Oryx. In their desperation, the Ammonite have begun using paracausal weapons. What are these? How do they work? Wouldn't you like to know? Suffice to say that some powers in this universe are superordinate to mere material physics. The source of this weapon, these weapons is the Traveler, the sky's bait star. Their effect is subtle, but devastating. But you are armed to respond in kind. Sabathun's mothers have listened carefully to our teachings. We will not give you the deep, King Oryx. That power is for us, your gods. But we will teach you to call upon that force with signs and rituals. Small minds might call it magic. You are no longer bound by causal closure. Your will defeats law. Kill a hundred of your children with a long blade. Oryx, and observe the change in the blade. Observe how the universe shrinks from you in terror. Your existence begins to define itself. Of course, I, Oryx, we believe it was not curiosity alone that brought you back to the war. You felt your own death growing inside you. You must obey your nature. Your worm must feed. All right, so... Your favorite cards, man. A lot of creepy. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. whole lot of creepy up in there. Um, <clears throat> There's a lot to break down in here. Start. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we start talking once again about paracausal things. First, uh, this is the first time we've really seen it, though. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm saying we've talked about it, like, in yeah, yeah, other yeah. books and such. Um, but this is the first time we're really talking about it here. Um, I also like how they refer to um, paracausal stuff 
Um, he says some minds, small minds might call it magic. Um, so they are specifically saying like there is definitive reasoning for how this works, you know, um, which also is interesting to me. Yes. Yeah, basically, I love that this actually describes it. Um, suffice to say that some powers in this universe are subordinate or basically superior to mere material physics. So basically, we're just describing anything that can break the laws of physics, which is like transcending death, you know? Um, yeah. Harnessing these powers as guardians we have to like cause explosions from our bodies and all this crazy stuff, you know? So pretty cool. Creating a hammer of pure fire. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, so that's a good description. Um, I wanted to point out a couple things. So number one, we see that the Traveler is the source of their paracausal ability. The Ammonites, once again, they literally sound like guardians. The Traveler imbued them with power, and now they have a paracausal ability that we're not saying what it is, but does that not sound like us? We were imbued with power, and now we are paracausal? <laughs> um, but I love how the Traveler is described as the sky's bait star. You go back to the first verse, first couple cards. Remember, the bait stars were like that fish at the bottom of the ocean. You know, if you've ever seen Finding Nemo, that little light hangs up, and when you go for it, they eat you. And those were bait stars. Those were things that the krill had to deal with. They referred to the Traveler as that. You go to grab this thing that looks so beautiful, and it kills you. So... Once again, Traveler being painted in a very interesting light. How I feel about the Traveler. I don't trust it. <laughs> trust it as far as I could throw it, right? That's the thing. And then, I guess the other thing, if you guys didn't have anything else from that, pointing out that um, right here, so, but you are armed to respond in kind. Savathun's mothers have listened carefully to our teachings. We will not give you the deep. That power is for us, your gods, but we will teach you to call upon that force with signs and rituals. So at this point, once again, they give them the power to be paracausal, but the worm gods say that we understand the deep. We have this power. We will let you use it by these rituals and signs. And when you see the hive, they're always performing crazy rituals and things. And this is and why. There's always runes and yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why, because they don't have the paracausal ability themselves. Because, as we're going to talk about later, the Traveler gifted this power to their followers, their people, whereas the Deep doesn't entirely gift it. You have to have something, you have to do something to get it. Um, and so they basically are just lend lending these powers. I love how they've basically taught some people how to do it. And so they're both paracausal at this point, but in different ways. And the kind of like end goal was a little bit different. Um, and it's definitely darker. The way that they gain power, he ba they basically tell Oryx to just kill a hundred of his children. And then he would gain some power. So their paracausal nature is very different. I love how yeah. they claim it's not exactly paracausal. Observe how the universe shrinks. From you and Terror, that's not paracausal. That's just you killed your hundred of your own people. Right. Uh, and then and anything else? I'm wary that? of somebody like that too. Exactly. And then the last thing I wanted to point in is the fact that 
It started off by saying that basically, remember, this is the first exclamation mark at last. They're super excited that Oryx is coming back because they need him to to fight, right? And um, <clears throat> they claim it's because he sees these paracol weapons and his paracols of weapons and is curious. But like there at the end, they mentioned that it was not just curiosity that brought him back. <clears throat> was the fact that he felt death growing inside him. You must obey your nature. You must, your worm must feed. So remember, when they were first given the worms and promised um, immortality, they were told that they had to follow their nature. And Oryx, seeking peace, decided that he was not going to explore these things. He ran off to try to seek peace. And, uh, well... It didn't work out. The worm started eating him, and he unfortunately had to come back. Uh, so my question is, do you guys remember what Oryx's, Oryx's nature was? And I'll start with that. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. He, he wasn't a murderer. Do you remember whose nature was killing? Yeah. Savathun. Uh, it was Zivu. No. Yeah. Zivu yeah. Wrath was war. Um, so while they're saying that Arax needs to kill, in reality, he was the great explorer. Um, so the I would argue, yeah, the navigator, right? I would argue that there's a lot of navigating, exploring, and learning, seeking knowledge that you can do that doesn't revolve about killing and murdering. So um, I don't think it's, it's not really killing anything. If you couldn't tell that Arax sounds like Oryx, I probably said it multiple times, he might be gone now, but I would argue that there's a way for him to come back and not always be on the same side. I think it would be crazy if, like, Oryx decides to go off and find his own way to satiate his worm that doesn't involve falling in the hive. So, pretty crazy stuff. I don't know. It's just something that I noticed from this. They always, the worms keep telling him that he needs to kill, but that's not actually his nature. So, pretty interesting for me. Be curious to see if that ever gets played up or if Oryx is just dead dead. That's all I got. That was basically everything in this that I could unpack. Mrs. Hyven? Elemist, anything to add or should we move on? Uh, it was it was pretty straightforward. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, Ms. Ivan, take us into verse 2.7. Things are about to get serious, man. Oh, you know I will. The weakness verse. You are dead, young Arax, betrayed and murdered by your own sister for the crime of mercy. Remember what you said to the Ammonite Satellite Congress? We will parlay on neutral ground. Sabathun's witches have rendered it utterly neutral. No living thing will ever claim it again. The space around the dry moon stinks of rot. This is good. This is right. You will learn from this. Don't you understand, great king? Don't you want to build something real? Something that lasts forever? Our universe gutters down towards cold entropy. 
Life is an engine that burns up energy and produces decay. Life builds selfish, stupid rules. Morality is one of them. And the sanctity of life is another. These rules are impediments to the great work. The work of building a perfect, undying creation. A civilization everlasting. Something that cannot end. If a civilization cannot defend itself, it must be annihilated. If a king cannot hold his power, he must be betrayed. The worth of a thing can be determined only by one beautiful arbiter. That thing's ability to exist, to go on existing, to remake existence to suit its survival. All that would oppose this arbiter is unholy and false. All the misery and terror of your ancestors springs from the lies of the sky who deny this truth. Your ancestors endured the most hostile conditions. And now you must go on creating those conditions, even unto your sisters, even unto your offspring. Savathun's betrayal is the greatest gift she could offer you. Your body is gone, but you have endured. Safe in the cyst universe created by your own might, your throne world. From this day forward, Arax, you and your sisters will each survive death, so long as you aren't killed in your own throne. Even as your sisters press the attack against the Ammonites, the god wave devastates Fundament. Trillions will die, but the survivors will never forget, and their descendants will always be ready for another syzygy. When you return to the material universe, use this lesson to complete your work. Teox wasn't on the dry moon. She must be laughing at you. Some awesome topics here. I would like, just like to talk about the fact that I knew the word parlay because of the office. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I figured it was because of pirates. Well, no, the office. Dwight tells Pam parlay in his office five minutes. He walks out. She says, what's parlay? Creed goes, it's pirate code for meeting. She says, oh, so we're all just speaking pirate code now? And he says, I understand it, but I can't speak it. <laughs> well, speaking of words you want to understand, before we get started, I wanted to define a couple of words. Number one, entropy, which is referred to as a thermodynamic quality representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conservation into mechanical work. Also, it is a lack of order or predictability, gradually declining into disorder. Um, so that's the one I think that this is referring to. The universe is moving towards disorder um, because that's what they talk about, how it's kind of their philosophy. And then the other one is a word that some might be familiar to, familiar with if you've ever played Halo, and that is Arbiter. It wasn't just the guy's name. It is a person who settles a dispute or has ultimate authority in a matter. So they are usually assigned a role. 
Um, so just like if you played Halo, the Arbiter was assigned specific task, and that how that's was a description. Um, so we have that used here. So I just kind of wanted to define those since those are not like common words everyone uses in everyday speech. Yeah. Uh, the one, the the one thing I wanted to point out was this is the first mention of their throne worlds. And we actually get the rules of how they die and live. Um, like, Oryx is dead. But because he was so strong, he had a throne world. And he can survive death as long as he's not killed in his throne world. Yeah, so there's one of those paracausal things we've been talking about. Friggin' Teox is still alive. Yeah, so Teox gets away again. She wasn't on that moon. Yeah. And I love how the worms basically use this. You died for nothing. You tried to negotiate a peace treaty. So your sister killed you. And everything you were trying to get wouldn't have worked out anyway because Teox wasn't even there. And the Ammonites are just a puppet. Like, worms are kind of, they're kind of, they're ruthless, man. They're kind of dicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that shows, once again, we see that what their goal is is just to have... No, it's an everlasting civilization. They talked about how entropy and disorder is, like, just part of the universe, and the goal is to have one everlasting civilization. And this is, helps us to appreciate sword logic again. And then they talk about how if a civilization is not powerful enough to defend itself it must be annihilated. And the civilization who defeats it gains power. And, that, and that's basically what sword logic is. It's survival of the fittest. Uh, the, the worm gods are basically teaching the hive that it's all about survival. The most powerful individual is the one who comes out on top. So sympathy and morality aren't, aren't concerns in, their, in their, um, their culture, their universe. It's all about power and strength. Yeah, and again, manipulating people like anyway how to get their result. Extreme Darwinism. Yeah, it's very true. Yep. Ultimate Darwinism. It's kind of like ultimate frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> you get to you. You can take a couple steps. <laughs> Forward motion. <laughs> All right. All oh, right. and then yeah, the fundament is basically destroyed now. Yeah, the two years is up. Yep. A little bit of timeline, so we see that two years. It took two years to fight this war. They still hadn't completely finished. Yes, I don't remember if it's done yet. I think no. No, it's not. Not quite. But yeah, so two years they've been fighting this war. All right, I'm ready to move on if you guys are. I'm totally ready to move on. Yeah, I'm good. I'll be covering verse 2-8. Leviathan rises. The Leviathan has broken cover. The old priest is in open space, moving towards the Ammonite home moon. Chroma Admiral Refrit 
and his elite guard move with it. Refrit is the hero of his generation, an ammonite of peerless battlecraft. He's danced circles around Zivu Arath, but now he has to protect his holy leviathan. We'll give the old lunk a word. Ruin. Grief and ruin. The krill lost. The ammonite ravaged. Our traveler's work undone. Sisters of Arash, open your eyes. Who made you monsters? Who summoned the wave? Make peace. Join with me in golden renewal. In counter-argument, Aurix, we ask you this. What has the Leviathan done for your people? Who gave you immortality and led you out of your prison? Who answers your questions about the universe with truth instead of sermons? Find... How do you actually pronounce that? Detent? 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 I don't actually know. Detent? Yeah, but Detent. Uh, let me see if I can find uh, pronunciation. Here we go. <laughs> French pronunciation. Oh, we guessed that right. Detot, meaning relaxation. Detot? Okay. D-E-T-A with a like mark over it and a T. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's something. Find Detot with Savathun. Crush the Chroma Admiral. Boil the Ammonite Seas, and slaughter the Leviathan with witchcraft. Once the way is open, we'll show you how to eat the Traveler. Mmm. Traveler for dinner. Right? Tasty. So for me, this is like, cue like the intense like entry music. You know, like this war's raging, everything's happening. You don't know what's about to go on, and then like Q Leviathan like breaks cover and makes like a mad dash, and it's just like the Leviathan's still here, and like holy crap, the Leviathan made it out of the ocean also. Pretty pretty crazy, um, and then it talks. Um, we find out that actually before that, Chroma Amal Rafrit is pretty gangster. Um, they command an army that is destroying Sivo Wrath. So we know. Uh, Zivu Arath is like, we haven't seen her yet, but everything we've heard, she is like the ultimate like war general and everything. This isn't her early stages. This is someone who was a better general. So like, I would have loved, loved to, to have met this individual. Like, that's pretty crazy. Especially because it sounds like they're on the side that we as guardians are on. So kind of interesting. Um, and then also the Leviathan basically talks to them. And it's like ruin and grief. The Kriller lost, the Ammonite ravaged, our traveler's work undone. So, number one, what was the traveler's work? And then continues on, who made you monsters? Who 
Usum of the Wave, make peace, join me in golden renewal. We know who made the monsters, but didn't we just hear that the Traveler caused the wave? Does it almost sound like the Leviathan is saying that it was not the Traveler that caused the wave? Yeah. I mean, also, who told us that it was? Exactly, the Deep. So I've even, until really reading this, I've always still kind of thought that it was the... Um, the traveler who was causing it, trying to keep them on there. But who's to say that the uh, worm gods caused this in a way to try to like manipulate once again? So very interesting. The Leviathans basically arguing the other side, and they they counter argue with we're giving you answers, not we're not you know we're not speaking in riddles. But I mean, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, once that was again, the same argument that was presented to them before. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to uh still it's still kind of hard to distinguish who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, especially with one side lying the way it normally does, like, or at least we suspect it's lying. Exactly. Who's to say they're not both lying? That's the crazy part, right? Yeah, it's hard not to be biased. Um, we haven't talked about that for a while, but yeah, like we're all biased in our own personal ways, but. We're trying to read this without that, and it's kind of hard to do sometimes. Well, and and even <clears> then, like, all of this, it, it's written from Oryx's perspective. So yeah. it's got that bias going for it. Exactly. Yeah, we're forming bias off of somebody else's bias. I mean, oh, God, how can you, how can you know the truth from anything when that's happening? <laughs> like, my bias is bias squared. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And then also, I like how the Leviathan mentions golden renewal. What else did we have that was golden? We refer to as the golden age. Yeah. Once again, we see that the Traveler is offering the same thing to every society. Um, let's see what the Traveler ends up doing, guys. Yeah, so I'm ready to move on. Because um, they're going to try to eat the Traveler, apparently. <laughs> All right, are you ready to move on? Sounds good to me. Yep. All right. First two nine. Crusaders. It's done. Ear and Yule feed on the Leviathan's carcass. Zivorath has made a temple of the Chroma Admiral's impaled corpse. Below us. Savathun's poisons stain the Ammonite home sea black. Their screams flavor the void. The Traveler has fled. Do you understand, Oryx? Do you thrill at the secret, Savathun? Do you relish the edge of this truth, Zeborath? Do you see the beautiful shape? The Ammonite occupied a piece of reality. They rented their existence on fraudulent terms, making themselves happy and fat, fencing themselves in soft lies and sweet apocrypha, saying, we are peaceful and good, we harm nothing. Their golden age was a cancer. They did nothing to advance the cause of life. They burnt up time and matter and thought on this salafistic, monastic, pursuit of safety, insulting themselves 
insulating themselves from death, making a regressive pocket of useless stability when they could have helped whittle the universe towards its final perfect form. And your people, suffering in the deep, you became more worthy of existence than the Ammonite. You have proven it. Look around the sky. Behold the great divide, the battle lines of this cosmic war. We are the worm, your God, but we are not the deep itself. We only move within it. You shall too. You shall venerate and study it and haunt it in its passage. Will you lift your thoughts to the millennia, Oryx? Will you bend your will to the liberation of the universe and join us in the war against this sky? We need champions, crusaders. Help us save the universe. Help us exterminate that which would destroy all hope. We are oath-bound to this task by the covenant of the worm. And you are oath-bound to kill Teox wherever she's hidden herself. So it's like the opposite of save the cheerleader, save the world. Kill the Teox, save the world. Wouldn't be opposite, it's the same idea. No. So much love we just for you. Save the Mrs. cheerleader Simon. to save the world. Now we need to kill someone to save. Oh, the world. that's what you mean. Got it. Got it. So much love for you, Mrs. Hyven, for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Yatta. Nissan Versa. Nissan Versa. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> the only time that car was ever anything. Oh God! <clears throat> oh, I love it. Well, anyway. What do you have to say about saving the world, there, Mrs. Ivan? I just, I want to know where Teox is, you guys. She's sneaky little bee, and I want to know what she's up to. Dude, but like, just, uh, just like read. So, no, of course, they, they kill everyone. They win. Of course. But of course. number one, the Leviathan's so huge that Ear and Yule can feed on the carcass. Apparently, the Chromo. Chroma Admiral's impaled course is formed into a temple. Yeah, but they've been so doing a lot of weird just... things with flesh since the beginning. But that's my thing. Is everyone this this giant in the early universe? Like, what the heck? Um, and what did the Traveler do? Fled! Like it, like it normally does. Yeah. And, exa- <laughs> and then what happened, though? They claimed that the golden age was a cancer. We've had a golden age. And I hate to say it, but they described this in a way that I almost feel like they're in the right at this moment. You know, the Ammonite occupied a piece of reality. They rented their existence on fraudulent term, making themselves happy and fat, fencing themselves in soft lies and sweet apocrypha, saying, we are peaceful and good, harm nothing. Does that not sound like us and what we've been indoctrinated to? This is where it gets interesting. However, as they continue on, they did nothing to advance the cause of life. They burnt up time and matter, um, trying to protect themselves from death uh, when they could have helped whittle the universe into its final perfect form. So it's kind of perfect. They basically say that the Ammonite, the Traveler, gave them a golden age, and what did they do with it? They made themselves fat and powerful in this splendor. 
But what did they actually do to help the universe? Nothing. So does that just make them sound, does that not make them sound selfish? Like, you see where I'm going here? Yeah. Um, the, the, I know this is, once again, biased opinion, but as, obviously, as, as, as a, a race who is now, as Guardians, who have now experienced it, doesn't that eerily sound very similar to what has happened and is happening to our planet? Yeah. I'm just going to say, we had a golden age, and what did we do with it? We made ourselves all wonderful. Did we really help anyone? We were really focused on just ourselves. And then what happened? The Traveler ran away. So once again, the Traveler painted in not so great of a light. And it's hard to just ignore that because it's something we've experienced. So that's my bias. I, I just, I read this and think, if that isn't kind of a sign to be careful and weary about the future, I don't know what is. <laughs> What do you guys think? It. I got silence over here. Well, like <laughs> I I went through and I actually googled a few of the uh, the harder words to understand there. The ones that I didn't want to reread when I messed up that sentence, so I started over at the comma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so apocrypha is non-canonical biblical writing. Yeah, I knew that that was like it's basically lore. Yeah. Only not like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was solipsism, a theory holding that the self can know nothing but its own modifications, and that the self is the only existent thing. So, yes, the, the traveler was teaching everyone to focus on self. Makes which, sense. yeah. And then onanistic, uh, self-absorbed, fruitless. So yeah, the Ammonites were being self-absorbed, focusing on their civilization. So I mean, what, the, yeah. what the, the worms are saying here isn't exactly wrong. Because that's kind of how it feels like we are. I mean, we're crazy guardians running around for loot. We could care less about other people half the time. What we do that harms others, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but, they, you know, they paint it in a light that, like, these Ammonites didn't try to stop the god wave. They didn't try to save the trillions of people. We did. We're the good guys. So whether or not they're lying and manipulating, they're doing a good job at it. And I love that they still are using this against them. Um, oh, we find out, actually, before that, we find out that the, the worms inform them that they are not the deep. The worm gods are not the deep um, themselves. They only move in it. That they will teach them how to worship and gain power from the deep. So once again, the worm gods and the deep are not the same thing. The worm gods gain their power from the deep. So that's something that's going to come up later and be very important. Um... And then finally, I just love how uh, you are oath-bound to this task by the covenant of the worm. So not only do you have to, you have to follow the worm or you die, but not only that, you are also oath-bound to kill Teox. That was their original mission. So the worms are like, if you're not going to do it to save your life, remember, you promised to finish her. And that's 
kind of been their drive forever. I just realized that's it. Yeah. So that's crazy. So basically, verse two was just their fight off the planet, and it they we realized that the traveler was up there. Um, they fought. The traveler's chosen people failed. The traveler ran away, um, and then they moved on. So something we can relate to. We're kind of in this war right now. Um. So next week we'll continue on. We'll see kind of the final transformation of the Krill people into their final form. Um, and it's going to be don't, pretty fun, don't you guys. Mean their final shape. Yeah, that's technically the final shape. My final form. <laughs> I was thinking more of like a Dragon Ball Z kind of thing. Oh, this yeah. is my final form. Oh no, I totally got that. <laughs> I was bringing it back. I know. That was perfect. I didn't even think about that. All right, guys. That was exciting. I don't have anything else to add. I think the spin foil comes as we start dissecting. Well, and, and later we've on, enough, we've got enough time between the end of the Books of Sorrow and Shadowkeep that we, we could do crazy. we could do a spin foil episode and extra yeah. lore. Okay, so uh, let's move into shoutouts then. Hyven, go first <laughs> since you you partially went first. I didn't even think about it; it just kind of happened. But no, I don't. I I think that's my shout out to once. I got to shout out Bunchy again, man. This book was amazing. Like as far as like the books of sorrow, but then we have like this Grimoire anthology book, and I my shout out is can't wait for the second one, man. It's uh, really, really exciting. And I, I just bought the comic collection. Did you? Yeah. I thought about getting that too. I did pre-order the the book too. I still haven't got my T-shirt for oh, Moments yeah. of Triumph, so I need to do that also. But it, so yeah. at, at this point, you and I are on the same wavelength. Like I still have to actually. No, no. I ordered my shirt a couple days ago. Nice. I mean, I I have a while. I still got like a month or so. It's not a big deal. But yeah. I just do it. Yeah, that's my shout out. I think specifically just to Bungie and the community this time. Mrs. Ivan. Um, I don't really have one prepared. I never I'm have just one prepared. Say to Alan <laughs> for all of the hard work he does. Prepping our show notes, editing, everything. I mean, he really does, like, almost all the behind-the-scenes work. All I do is hop on Twitter once or twice a day and chit-chat with people if they talk to me. So, <laughs> Elm is really kicks butt, and this podcast wouldn't be a thing without him. I second that and third it. <laughs> well, and, like, it, getting the recording done today was, was kind of hit or miss because I... I like my own personal stuff. No, no problems here. Today was a lazy day for us, and we were just kind of like ready to go. Oh wait, now we're eating. Ready to go. Now we're watching TV. And oh wait, and you were like, I'm doing life. I'm sleeping. You know, it's like <laughs> I just love yeah. how we always we always find a way to sync up the schedule, and we're always so flexible. So recording <laughs> with you guys is always super easy and relaxed. I shout out to Elemist for um, allowing me to record late because I was up. I was working for hours on cars yesterday. So by cars, I mean one car and by one half of the suspension I still have to fix. So 
Thank you for not making me record when I was exhausted. Is oh no problem. Anything. And I I'm giving a shout out to both my co-hosts because I I had some stuff come up this past week and I reached out to them on a personal level last night even though Hyven was tired. And I perked up, man. <laughs> we're, we're we're actually family here, guys. We're not just right. for real, hosts. Bro. Yeah. My brother from another mother. Right. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Hot Pot in August. Yes. Yes. Our anniversary dinner is just around the corner, y'all. Our friend anniversary. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's it. Um, I do have, it's not really a shout out. It's more of like a call out. Uh, call out to Anyone who wants to be a guest on the podcast. Um, I think we're established enough that we understand how we work. That I know I've, we've had some friends who have always like, wanted to be on. But and I'd just pass it out to our listeners. If you think you'd be interested, uh, hit us up. And you know, I think we'd love to kind of get some other community members in here and kind of talk. I think it'd be cool. I really liked reading like our emails from Joey lately. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really like getting some other people's perspective. So I think we've established ourselves that I'd be up to like getting people on here. Um, you know, and it's really easy to do with just a Skype call. So as long as, you know, I didn't rehearse that with everyone else, but I think we are all on board to. Oh, I definitely support that. Sweet. And that's it. Mrs. Ivan just died. She doesn't support me in anything. God, so hurt. <laughs> No, I well, agree. Shut up. I agree. Well, I, I support you, and she supports me. So, I mean, <laughs> right. It all works out in the end. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, have a good morning, evening, afternoon, night, whatever. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. Are you ready to kick us off, dude? All right. I'm I'm host, aren't I? Yes, you are. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> kind of out of it. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, man. All oh, good. I mean, that's that's what staying up until 3 a.m. does to you. Yes! Party time, man. At least it, if it, as long as it's worth it. Dude, I mean, look at this back of that sexy face. Mm. That beard. You oh, not love it. This <laughs> is my man crush. I like a nice beard. Lab was weird. True, man. I get, I get beard jealous, you know? It was one of our blinds. She broke her blinds again? Yeah, I don't think it was the same one. She's tired of her.
Telling us it's just in La La Land now. <laughs> right, like I. Are you still actively talking right now, or are you just processing? Uh, still actively talking, but I'm I'm good. I'm good. Let's just get her on Skype here. Are you sure. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to Alright, I got two puppies laying down, one under covers, one on top. Are you okay to host? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> Wait, did your shirt have a wrinkle on it, or does it have only half of a word? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. That's that's kind of that's me. Right. Mrs. Mrs. Ivan was like, I was fixing her vehicle, you know, all day yesterday, and she was like, I, I was asking her something. She's like, I don't know anything about this. Like, I don't either. She was like, Yeah, you. you. She's like, I was like, I literally just Googled whatever the mechanic sent you that you sent me, and taught myself. Okay. Yeah. Like th that's the funny thing to me is that we've gotten as a society to be in such a place that nobody actually knows anything. We just know how to get that information. Yep. That's how I do have my job. It's enjoyable though, because you think about it before, that's why like schooling was such a big thing. Like, I guess, I mean, not that it's not now, yeah. but at one point, the only way you could learn a trade or how to do stuff was from another person who knew how to do it, you know? So now, like, I mean, there's the opportunity. You kind of still are by Googling it, but it's like, you yeah, get but I mean, to you had to know someone in person or you were here screwed. and here and here. I would have had to like, know a mechanic. <laughs> you have like much better informational sources. Damn, my nails look good, you guys. Like, well, my I have some effing pristine nails right now. The sauce is imperfect. This is the best noodles I've had in a while. Bogota Blackberry. And they're just so pretty and so shiny. So I'm in love with this color. It's so rich. Go away. These are not the emails I want. These are not the emails you're looking for. <laughs> are you ready to start? Yes. Heaven's just yep. eating some pho over there in the corner. How did you know I was in the corner? Because you won't eat at your desk. Yeah, I'm on the floor. Especially not something that liquidy. <laughs> <laughs> well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> There's a place around here called Foking, like the Chinese restaurant, or maybe it's it's just like so. It's like, can I get the Foking noodle? You want the Foking beef? My favorite place. <laughs> Welcome to Shitty Walk. I started watching Queer Eye, and it's kind of awesome. 
Then she got me watching it. So I listened. I was like, wait a second. Hey, are you watching Queer Eye? She's like, yeah, do you like this show? I was like, I've always meant to watch it. I don't know why, but I like life makeover shows sometimes that aren't MTV kind of style. They're like so personal, the though. They like chit chat about like real shit, and it's awesome. I'll give you guys a special thing right now. If you start now, after I say my name, I'm just going to be eating. So for once, I'll be quiet until it's time to read. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start now. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Only change you're ever going to get. <coughs> oh, Kona, look at your face. It's so cute. And like it starts out at a very trivial set. It's like green armor. Um, you know, the uncommon stuff. And then we upgrade it to rare and then upgrade it to raw, 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 And for the ver- first verse, wow, try and say that five times fast. No, say syzygy five times fast. Syzygy, 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 syzygy. I got halfway. <laughs> Did you though? Did you? I thought he was going to make it, and I was about to be really impressed. And then I was like, okay, there it is. There's no way you get past three. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be trying that this week now. Mm-mm. I'll be sitting on the bus going, syzygy, syzygy, syzygy. You know, honestly, just reading, what is it, Sathona five times, I wouldn't even succeed at because I'd put the wrong name in there. Like, half these things I'd get wrong. <laughs> right. Right. The sky seeds civil. Hold on. The sky seeds civil. God damn it. Civilizations. Hyvin, are you okay in there? You sound like you're dying. I'm a little bit. <coughs> roll his body around. He'll be high. All he had was soup. Like, that's supposed to help with that. Right? Not that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Kona. That's what I'm saying. Man, you're so cute. Look at that little belly. It's just one more of the many things that I should probably go to the doctor for because I'm dying that I refuse to. I'm pretty sure I've had a chest infection for, like, four months now. Yeah, I'd really love it if you went, by the way. Any meal or drink, anything I eat or drink that goes into me causes my chest to get congested. Right. Let's try this again. That's why I don't eat, guys. Makes plenty of sense. Yeah, okay, sure. This is like trying to burn water. Antithetical to the nature of reality, where deprivation and competition. God damn it! Oh my god, why can't I read? Curse of the second reader? Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got this. Uh, we get touched. I, that sounds so bad. Mrs. Hyven's going to get some excitement, too. Jeez. At last! That is so friggin' sexual. Let's calm down. This is a family show. What? Oh, my God, you're so wrong. No. Right? Like, I bleep a lot. <laughs> look, at the, look at the first sentence. Your will defeats all. Uh, that was your will defeats law. What did I say? Right all. Now. Oh, okay. Although, considering <laughs> it's Rx. It works for both. Okay, I'll go back. Yeah.
your will defeats all. Oh my god, no! <laughs> Starting over. Send me something distracted me. I'm gonna start taking your phone when we record. Oh, it's funny. Okay, listen, it says, Mom ticket. If a stranger came up to you and said, I'm your mom's friend, she told me to pick you up, what would you say? Kid. I'd say, You're lying. My mom has no friends. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. oh my god. That's the best when my sister has no friends. <laughs> Ow. You okay there? Yeah, sorry. I have something stuck in my throat. Give me one second. Let me mute this fucking hack. Oh my. That's all I heard. <laughs> Off the record, it also says, God, and that's part of the. <laughs> I mean, that is very. um. Self-centered. Yeah. It's a one-person like, party. And, like, just to prove it, there, there's the link. Oh, my God. <laughs> of or pertaining to God in a manner which suggests God. Hence, fruitless. Yeah. So, basically, they spend their golden age just in each other. Oh my god. That's, That's why everyone was so what, happy. What themselves. made this even better? What made this even better <laughs> is I sent that and then I look up and the last thing that was sent was the Lonely Island. God to my pants. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so fitting. <laughs> Our chat is the best. <laughs>